welcome, welcome, welcome back to uh, to Stillwater uh, America. Oh my gosh, please. <laughs> no, no wonder we need to stop. I, you know, every time I say we need to stop sending guys to St. Minard, it's because of your singing abilities. What abs, man? I will you, tell you, when I went to St. Minard, you know, I don't know if I've ever shared the story of, of Mr. Ford, my elementary school music teacher. Uh, no, go ahead. It was traumatic. For all you teachers out there, you have a lot of power. Because I was in the fifth grade. Yes. And we went to music class, you know, Deerwood Elementary. Go Deers. We... <laughs> Deerwood Elementary. I went to Deerwood Elementary. We were the Deers. Creekwood, Ele- Creekwood Middle School, the Colts. Kingwood High School, Mustangs. Whoa. Look out. They like the okay. four-legged gritters. We do. We do very much so. So, Mr. Ford, I'm in, we're in music, and we, like, everyone had to, like, sing solos. No. Which, you know, when Come you're on. in fifth grade, and I was, I, I would describe myself as, like, a pretty confident kid you know yeah boys are hitting puberty in that age well he basically like i sang and he basically like he he didn't kind of know it but but basically like made fun of me and there was kind of snickering and and really from that time on i like i don't recall ever as a high school student or in college like Ever, I don't even remember even singing at mass. Mr. Ford ruined you. And so then I get to seminary. Uh huh. And I'm at St. Minard Seminary in St. Minard, Indiana, Spencer County. Boom. Southern Indiana. And we had this wonderful woman. Um, she, was, she was the music director just for like two years. Her name was Diane Hall. Okay. And Diane was just had a wonderful way about her and she you know got up one one day at morning prayer and like announced you know hey, I'm going to do like music lessons if anybody wants to and I was like no but I know I knew I was like studying to be a priest <laughs> and like you know when you're and, and as a priest I mean you should be able to sing if you can sing you should sing and I was like no nope, no nope, no nope. and so she came up to me at lunch and she said you know hey Brian are you going to Take me up on the music. You know, she was doing that to everybody. It wasn't just she wasn't. Oh, I thought and she I was saw like, it on your face. No, I don't think so. And and then so then she like she wrote me a note and said I would I, it'll just be like you and me, nobody around, nobody around, and and let's like I, th- I think you can sing. And I was like, oh crud, like okay. And so I worked I worked with her just over the course of a couple months, once a week, and like I can sing. Whoa. And so it was beca- it's because of Diane Hall oh. that I like got some confidence and then started and then took, took a chant class with Father Columba Kelly, uh, blessed memory. And like my first mass, I mean, I, I sing the mass. I sing during mass because of Diane. Oh. Not Mr. Said- Ford. Down with Ford. Wouldn't it be hilarious if Diane and Mr. Ford were like related? Oh, boy. Anyway. They're probably not. One is from Southern Indiana. One is from Houston. So that's true. So the music is really. I think anyway. All that to say, the music of the season is really beautiful. Oh, we did we talk about that last week? We did talk we, about. We, music. we talked yeah. about Marion hymns. Marion hymns, and, and how, we got into I, a little bit too. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and just beautiful. I mean, every, and I think the music. I think music is what a lot of people associate with this time of year. Secular, secular Christmas music. 
All I want for Christmas yeah. is you. I was like, every, Christmas. Everyone knows Mariah is the queen of Christmas. Uh, oh, the, what was the, uh, the, it was when we were in the studio before we moved to the house. Um, Mary, did you know? And Father O'Brien's like, yes, yes she, knew. she knew. Yes. She knew. Yes. She, there was that thing in the temple. Yes. With Simeon and Anna. Mary, did you know? Yes. I, so, I knew that because so, Simeon and Anna yes, both yes, told me. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, I knew. I uh, yeah, yeah stop, please stop singing. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So we're in a we're in we're in Advent. Oh yeah, shortest Advent uh, uh, that we can possibly in have. humankind, human in, in recent memory. In hum- well, it's the shortest Advent possible. When Christmas is on a Monday, Advent is going to be yeah. short. But w- this season has a very, as we talked about last week, has a very Marian theme. And then in the middle of that, you know, there's always feast days and memorials and different saints. And yeah. so there's, wonder, there's wonderful saints in December. St. Francis Xavier, right? December 3rd. Um, St. Nicholas is in there. St. John the Evangelist, December 27th. John 27. the Evangelist, the 27th. The Holy Innocents. Um, anyway, there's, there's beautiful saints all throughout. But on December 8th uh-huh. is the, what we call the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception of the Blessed Virgin Mary. The patronal feast day of the Americas. Of the, of the Americas, yeah. What? Tell us about the Immaculate Conception. What are we? What well, are we doing? What um, are we? We are not celebrating. Why Jesus. is it a holy day of obligation? Which it is, by the mm-hmm, way. I mm-hmm. uh, well, one the Immaculate Conception of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Uh, the Immaculate Conception is often confused with the greatest pass ever in history. Well, the Immaculate Reception, Reception of yes. the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh-huh. Don't, don't, not confused with that. The Immaculate Conception, when Jesus was born without original sin. Um, well, that's... Bec- oh, oh, interestingly, wait. the Immaculate Reception also took place in, Jan- in December. Oh, wow. December 23rd, 1972. Oh. Did you just know that? No, I looked it up on Wikipedia. Oh, okay, got it. Um, so, uh, the Immaculate Conception is also followed with... Of the Blessed Virgin Mary. So we have to remember, Father O'Brien loves formal, long The solemnity of the Immaculate Conception of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And in this case, it's really handy, because if people think it's it's about Jesus' conception, they are mistaken, and they're not using the whole title. So Yeah. Uh, I I think you have to go back um, to my favorite Japanese saint— Paul Miki? No. Who's your favorite Japanese saint? You've never heard this story? Francis Xavier went to Japan. No. So. <laughs> Who's your so, favorite Japanese so, saint? So when I went to seminary, I kept hearing this name, Bernadette Subaru. <laughs> you thought she was Japanese? I did. Oh, because Subaru, like the car? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how do you spell Subaru the car? S-U-B-U-R-U. Uh-huh. So I Subaru, right? So there's this lady, and her name is Bernadette Subaru, S-O-U-B-I-R-O-U-S. Subaru, Subaru, French. Subaru, she's French. Well, I, Bernadette, Bernadette, Bernadette Subaru. Well, well, no one said that. Bernadette of Lourdes, as uh, oftentimes. She, she was the little girl that Mary appeared to. Yeah, and she said this very... You thought she was Japanese? Well, I, I heard Bernadette Subaru... And I assume that she is not Russian 
or Mexican. That's like when I thought Vanna White was deaf, and that's why they lit up the letters on Wheel of Fortune. Oh, stop. (laughs) Why would they light them up? (laughs) Right? That's right. Yeah, I mean, who has who has a name like Subaru? She never and said not anything. She never said anything. Yeah, and they lit up the letters. You could, I mean, I thought it's a great job for like a deaf person. It's, I mean, it. it yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> anyway, back. To anyway, the Japanese French woman. Yeah, yeah, she's not Japanese. She's French, and she's from the town of uh, Lords, France. Lourdes. And the, the, all this, you know, comes back to. Uh, something that was going on at, during that time. And Mary says to Bernadette, je suis immaculate conception. Like I am the immaculate conception. Good French. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah. I can't spell in French and I can't read French, but I can kind of speak it a little bit, a little bit here and there, a little bit. There. Je suis. Je suis. Oh, oh there you go. Uh, so anyway, she says, I am the, like she is, and you, if you want to, this if you is Mary talking to St. Bernadette. Yeah. At the little I trash can. I am camp. the Immaculate Conception. Yeah, yes. exactly. And at the time, uh, at the time the, the Pope was actually working on some, some writings on um, making this doctor, doctrinal proclamation that Mary is the Immaculate Conception. She is the one who has been conceived without original sin. And As opposed to everyone else who's ever lived. Exactly. We, me and you, even Father Carey was born with original sin. I know that's hard to it's believe. It's a shocker. It's a shocker. But this also, so just even the Immaculate Conception, the, we, we put names to things like transubstantiation of trans, you know, going across like Trans-Siberian Railroad, a railroad that goes across Siberia. Yeah. Trans substance, transcontinental. Yeah, like you railroad. go from one substance to another. Transubstantiation. We give the title. I mean, Mary even gave her herself this name, the Immaculate Conception, it, 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 which is already something that preceded the idea of it back several hundred years, because we have icons. You know, when you see the three stars, it's not because the you know those are cool little accents on Mary. Those three stars are in the Eastern iconography is to describe that Mary is a virgin before, during, and after. Is that true? That's it. I've never heard that. Those are the three stars. Wow. So we already have it in theology. So when people say like, oh, Catholics just pulled this out of thin air. It's like, no, we have, a, we have an icon. It's um, in the Hoftorium at St. John in our big parish hall. With the stars on it? Yeah, with two of the stars on it. You can't see the third one. Why not? Um. Because she's turned sideways. Oh. We it's, turned is it, it covered up by an elk? No, it's not covered up by an elk. <laughs> we tried to make her look like Rosie the Riveter holding baby Jesus. Oh, that well, picture. Okay, yeah, yeah. I get you. And it says, do whatever he tells you to do, oh, mother that. of God, down below it. So what about, I would say, you know, so some maybe some people listening who are uh, not of the Catholic faith, uh, who are um, Bible, uh, kind of Bible, we're, we're people of the of the book, of course. But there are there's kind of two two passages that you, that usually come up. Um, one is from is Romans chapter three, which says that all have sinned and are deprived of and, the have, glory. and have fallen short of the glory of God. Yeah. Um, and then the other is in the Gospel of Luke, where Mary herself says, "My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior." Yeah. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. So what? What, what about that? that? What if she if she was not if she was conceived without sin, why would she need a savior? 
Are you asking or are you telling? I'm asking. I'm asking. Oh. Well, the, the Catholic understanding of is... I'm pretending to is be that, someone yes. who doesn't think she was, immaculate conception. Is she, because of what she says... Um, well, where is it? Hold on a second. I'm, I'm going for my brain, which is not a good resource sometimes in my memory bank. <laughs> what else do you uh, have as a resource? Uh, I'm just going back to the, the conversation she has with the angel Gabriel. Uh, because the phrase that she uses... Wait, wait. Hail Mary, full of grace. Yeah, that's it. Hail Mary, full of grace. When you read it in Greek, it says, Hail Mary, having been filled full of grace. It's the pluperfect verb tense. Yep. We talked about this on, yep. on a previous yep. occasion. That it goes back and it says like, no, there, the, having been made full of grace. So that means that there's an action that preceded this event to make her full of grace. So the second question is, is like, how can she be full of grace like, is the angel lying or telling the truth? Well, an angel, go back to our episode on angels, an angel is a messenger from God, an angelos, one who is announcing the kingdom. So if Mary is full of grace, well, and grace comes from the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ on the cross, then how did she get full, full of grace prior to Jesus' death and resurrection? And so all of the church history would say a prior action occurred where a, a block was put, an end to sin and death. Yeah, so we would so say... So that Mary's humanity would be passed on to Jesus, and it would be free of original sin. Yes. So we would say that Jesus, Jesus Christ is Mary's Savior. Yes. Yes. But, but in a different way than the rest of us, uh -huh. in that she, she was saved, we would say, like by anticipation before anyway that's how we would say what about what about romans with like all have sinned all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god what would we that's true what would we so mary all have sinned paul says yeah so what's up with that all have sinned and, but yeah I, I would say i would say with that you have to read that whole romans passage um all together kind of like ephesians 2 1 through 10 most people don't they find the word works in there. Yes. And they don't read the entire passage. It's yeah. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. And the same with Romans chapter 10. And when we say all have sinned, do we mean, I mean, did, did St. Paul really mean that? Like what about a child, you know, a, a, a little baby who dies? Yeah, all of us are sharing that, in the, the sin of Adam. Right, there it is. There it yeah, is. all there of us is. are sharing in the sin of Adam in, in, in that death and that death and, and the necessity of of Jesus as our Savior, which we've already discussed. Yeah. Mary had a Savior, and it is her son. I like this. This is from Catholic Answers, a nice analogy um, about Mary being saved. So she, they say this, Suppose a man falls into a deep pit, and someone reaches down to pull him out. The man has been saved from the pit. Yes. Now imagine a woman walking along, and she too is about to topple into the pit. But at the very moment that she is to fall in, someone holds her back and prevents her. She too has been saved from the pit, but in an even better way. She was not simply taken out of the pit. She was prevented from getting stained by the mud in the first place. Yep. That's nice. I like that a lot. Yeah. I like that a lot. Okay. Now, why is it a holy to have obligation? I, 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 got an, I got a sports analogy for you. What? Okay. Go pokes. Yeah, yeah, go pokes. Mm, sports 
Now, now don't jump to conclusions yet. Sports watching them on TV is kind of boring. And then, you know, after like baseball, for example. Are we, are we, are we fighting right After now? multiple months of watching baseball, everybody's sort of given up on it. It's like, ugh. Baseball still, the basketball season, like, really, the basketball season's going on. There's this, like, fade. But then they have these championships. And the championships get everybody what? Fired up. Get really fired up and excited. And people spend an enormous amount of money to go watch a championship game. Fired up just talking about it. <laughs> In a way that they wouldn't spend money on anything else. And I think of Holy Days of Obligation are kind of like this. Really? Yeah. The church is like, hey, we need to warm you back. We need to fire you back up about your faith. Oh. And so periodically throughout the year, the church has these hype days. Pump up the jam. Pump it up. Just to like get you going again. May I use a video game analogy? Do you remember playing Excite Bike? Oh, yeah. You know, so you're going along, you know, and then uh-huh. there'd be those little arrows. Oh yeah, you hit them and then launch you, and then you get, you like you have to move over, and then if you get on those arrows, they like it like shoots you forward, yeah, yeah. kind of fast for a few seconds, kind of like that. Okay, they get they just like they reinvigorate um, the, each of us. I like so, that. Yeah, yeah. So holy days of obligation are not are not very common. I mean, I think even in a year where we celebrate them all, I think it's I think there's eight. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then some years there's not, and and it just depends on the calendar. But um, it's it's an important day. It's an important day, and people yeah. should. Most I think most people are probably going to be listening to this either on the day or after the day. But anyway, just put on your calendar December eighth every year. Yeah, the holy day. Seven thirty, noon thirty, five p.m. You're That's having it. mass. Say that again. Seven thirty. Yeah. Noon thirty. Yeah, twelve thirty. And yes. five p.m. And five p.m. So we're doing seven a.m. Twelve ten, five thirty, seven thirty Spanish. I mean, between all of that, that's you seven masses. Don't be lazy. You can't, ma- you can't miss don't that. Be, I mean, those are, but also it's a great opportunity to, to go to this great solemnity and yeah, don't just see it as like, Oh, okay. Oh, let's go to mass. Check the box. Yeah. Like think of it as, wow, we get to go and talk about the blessed Virgin Mary and Je- Jesus. that Jesus is her savior and yours and to receive Jesus. Wow. Did Mary ever receive the Eucharist? I don't know. It never says the scriptures says she did. Nothing. Do you think she did? Let's do a little speculative theology. We had to get to Our Lady Guadalupe, too. Oh, yeah. And we only have 10 minutes. <sighs> okay. But do you think she ever, did you uh, think Mary ever received the Eucharist? Was she at the last, it doesn't say she was at the last it doesn't supper. doesn't say she was at the last supper. And really, tradition doesn't hold that she was at the last supper. That's right. But she the w- apostles. She was in the upper room. Would have. I think she did. Uh, but there would have been opportunities even after With that. With John. When she went to live in John's home. I think she did. Picture that. Picture Mary Whoa. receiving the Eucharist. You're receiving your own DNA. Oh, what? Because the Eucharist is Yeah, like, no, 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 I know. That's, I mean, that's Jesus' DNA is Mary's that's DNA. amazing. Because the other half of the... That's amazing. Uh-huh. Okay, anyway. Okay, so then... If December 8th wasn't enough, boom, boom, boom. then we have wow, wow, wow. December 10th is the second Sunday of Advent, uh-huh. a holy day of obligation. All Sundays are. Then on the 12th, which is a Tuesday this year, 
Um, so December 12th every year is what is known as the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Guadalupe. So chances are, even if you're not from Mexico uh, or you don't have a lot of uh, friends who are from Mexico, you probably have seen Our Lady of Guadalupe. Number one, we have an image of her in our church. If you go all the way up to the front and over to the left, uh-huh. transept, you'll see Our Lady of Guadalupe. Um, I'll just give you the brief story of Our Lady of Guadalupe. In the year 1531, 1531, Mexico was basically like a pagan country. Um, there was actually one of the one of the major religious practices was child sacrifice. Yeah, there was some nasty human sacrifice. Not good stuff going on. So into Oof. that, in December, which is winter, in December of 1531, um, a poor, what's often referred to as like just a poor Indian. He was an, a native. Um, his name was whose name was Juan Diego, who's now Saint Juan Diego. Um, Juan Diego was walking along um, out out right outside of what is now Mexico City, and he was on this hill called Tepeyac. And similar to Bernadette Subaru of Japan, pray for us. This woman appears. Um, <laughs> So just as Mary appeared to, to St. Bernadette in southern France, um, Mary appears to Juan Diego, but in, in what is now Mexico City. And she says to him, go to the bishop and tell him to build a church on this spot. So Juan Diego goes, and the bishop basically was like, you're a nutball. Get out of my office. Bishop Zamarraga. So then Juan Diego dejected, you know, comes back. And she says, no, go, go do it again. He says, okay. He goes back, no, rejection. The bishop wants proof. So in the middle of winter, when you come to the Mass on December 12th, you're going to see a lot of flowers. A lot of flowers. Imported a in from Peru. A lot of flowers. Um, because on December 12th, 1531, in the middle of winter, on Tepeyac Hill in Mexico City, uh, flowers appeared. Yeah, weren't they like... Roses, roses. Were they roses from Spain, a particular part oh, of Spain? Oh, I don't know that part. Yeah, I think they're like yeah. roses yeah. from a particular part of Spain that do not exist oh, in Mexico. Interesting. I didn't know that. So Juan Diego takes these roses as his proof, goes to the bishop, and as the story goes, he lays out, so he, he's wearing this kind of traditional, it's like a cloak. Think of a, a person that's wearing a cloak for warmth in the winter, right? So it's often called a tilma. He takes... The roses, he throws them in front of Bishop Zamaraga in his office. Mm-hmm. And people are amazed by the roses, but more so they are amazed at what is on Juan Diego's cloak, what is on his tilma. And that is the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe. If you go to Mexico City right now and go to the Basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe on that Tepeyac Hill, you will see... Juan Diego's tilma, the original cloak. The OG. Which was made of like cactus fibers, which should have disintegrated, you know, three years after it got made. <laughs> and here we are. So actually in, in a, you know, 2031 will be the 500th anniversary. What? That thing is 500 years 2031. Old? 2031 will be the 500. So they're already making prep. They're already planning. I mean, it's eight years away. We're close. Whoa. Isn't that amazing? So anyway, what, then what happens is because of her appearance, um, the country of Mexico 
was evangelized. That basically in a very short period of time, about 10 years, the entire country of Mexico became Catholic. They, they, they stopped doing child sacrifice um, and they embraced Catholicism. So basically it's one of the, it's, it, it is the largest kind of uh, moment of evangelization in the history of the world. Wow. Our Lady of Guadalupe. And we celebrate it all over the world now. So it's, it is all it's, over the world. Pope, Fran- Pope Francis does it. I mean, he's from Argentina, but he knows how important it is to a lot of people. Not just not just people from Mexico. It's very important to people from Mexico. If you go yeah. into anybody's house who they're from Mexico, they're going to have an image of Our Lady of Guadalupe in their house or on their car or in their, you know all over the place. Um, but it's important to us. It's important to us um, here in the United States because we have a lot of our Mexican brothers and sisters, which is awesome. Um, but it, it's a it's a beautiful example of evangelization. It's a model for for us to um, uh, taking seriously God's God's plan, God's teaching, um, in order to bring about the conversion of others. So, uh, are you saying in order to evangelize, I need Mary to show up? She already did. Oh. Need her to show up again? Why? Well, I'm just like to evangelize Stillwater. Have I would be blessed, awesome if she appeared the here. Blessed Virgin Mary to appear here. Been a tourist trap. We can start to sell a ton of keychains. Uh huh. Tons of keychains. So we're going to have mass. Uh, this is on the on Tuesday, December twelfth. Uh, mass is going to be at six o'clock, and it's going to be entirely in Spanish. We're going to have a mariachi um, band. Then we're also going to have these like awesome. So basically, we have mass, and then we have a big dinner for hundreds and hundreds of people. It'll be. It's going to be huge. Wow! Huge, bigger than last year. I think it'll be bigger than last year. I think we did. A, we've done a good job this year. So Angela Vivar, who's our director of Hispanic Ministry, Angela's been on it. So she's been all over town, putting up signs, uh, inviting people, calling people. We see it as a parish, actually, as a huge moment of evangelization, because there's people who will come for Our Lady of Guadalupe that won't come for other things this uh, for the, during the year. Uh, they should, and I wish yeah. they would. But Our Lady of Guadalupe has that sort of level uh, of invitation. Yes. It's an important cultural thing. And so people come for to be to to see it and to experience it. And so as a parish, we have a really beautiful opportunity to to welcome people to, and to evangelize. Um, so I've started working on my homily and hopefully I gotta I gotta knock it out, man. It's got to be, needs to be good. It's going to be in Spanish? It'll be the whole Mass in Spanish, yeah. Oh, okay, great. I mean, it's not like any different Sunday other than it's Our Lady of Guadalupe. It's Our Lady of Guadalupe. You guys have Mass in Spanish all the time. We have Mass in Spanish, yeah, twice a week. Wednesday night, 6 o'clock, and then Sunday's at 1. Oh, sweet. Yeah, Our Lady of Guadalupe, uh, important historical figure, even figure and event. Uh, I mean, even if people are like, ah, I really don't, you know, believe in whatever, amazing opportunity to do some research. And <clears throat> and even if people are out there like, what is this all about? I, I mean, I would spend some, I would spend a good hour of research. It's fascinating. And then some of the scientific stuff they've done, like, so we- the, the stars on her, so she's wearing like a 
traditional um, traditional clothing. Her skin is is like a little darker, yeah. um, like mm-hmm. it, like it would if she were if she were native. Um, her hair, you know, it's kind of jet black. Um, she's pregnant. Yeah, right? she has a ribbon around her as if she were as if she were pregnant. But the stars on her on her cloak, her tilma, um, I've I've read where uh, like the stars that it would have been in the sky on December twelfth, fifteen thirty one. Um, they've looked at the, at the image. They've they've done these like they've magnified her eyes, and what you can see in her eyes is a reflection of like what she would have seen if she were on the. She's on the cloak looking out is the Bishop Zumarga and his assistants like in in her eyes. Upside down. Upside down. Yeah, because that's what the eyeball does. Right. Anyway, there's cool stuff like that. Yeah. And that this tilma has lasted 500 years. Somebody, a couple, I don't know when that was, 20 years ago or something, tried to, tried to bomb it. Yeah, yeah sure. You know? And, you know, everything around it gets blown up. Nothing happens to the Tilma. You're not messing with it. Don't mess with Mary. It's so cool. It's so cool. My mama can beat up your mama kind of thing. For sure. My mother can love your mother. Your mother is not immaculately conceived like mine. (laughs) It's the best. Anyway, so these two great, we just have, it's just a beautiful opportunity to celebrate what God has done in the life of the Blessed Virgin Mary. December 8th, Holy Day of Obligation. December 12th, Our Lady of Guadalupe. Christmas is December 25th this year. FYI. Oh, remember that. Peace. Bye.